0: Okay, wake up in the morning and i will go
1: and get the paper. Got to get the paper. Every morning, got to
2: go and get the paper. And a nice cup of coffee. Order one with two espresso shots and a cornbread. Hey, Central Michigan University, this is Ben Solis. I'm Malik Hebert. And I'm Tyler Guza. And we are the Raven Geeks. We're here with our producer, Kelsey K. Cavazos. What up? Hi, yo, Kelsey. Yo, yo. Oh. And, uh. <laughs> what was that? Noise? Oh. That's, uh, that's my variation on Tyler's internet voice i'm not gonna do it right now i'm sorry guys
3: this is the second time we're recording this we tried to do the first section of the podcast and something happened there's a hum there's there's a bit of a hum i'm sure you can hear it we're having some production issues we figured you know what You guys would rather listen to us than not listen to us. We're just going to fight through it. Bear with us here. Please, pretty please.
1: Actually, Malachi called Greg Capula a dick, and the whole system crashed. So Greg Capula has the ability to crash a podcast if you speak ill of him. There is causality in this. I've (laughs)
2: witnessed it all.
3: Yeah, he reached through the power of the universe and and canceled our podcast. So anyway, yeah. But,
2: But like Mailman, you know, through rain and sleet and snow, we're going through hum or no hum. So let's do this. Let's get some news in here.
3: Yeah, let's get let's get this stuff out of the way first. Alright, we got some shout outs. Let's do some shout outs to our, shout-outs. our new Twitter followers. If you haven't followed us on Twitter, go do it at Raven Geeks. We're doing some fun stuff on there now. We're a little bit more active. The polls. Let's do the polls first, eh? <laughs> we had our full Batman v Superman discussion on a special Geeks Divided podcast and you you know go listen to that for a full take on what me and ben liked and didn't like about the movie and tyler played kind of the wonder woman intermediary role. i was just
1: trying to get a picture of me back
2: <laughs> yeah. also devil's advocate and got us to crack a little bit too he poked the bear yeah I,
1: I made one comment that kind of set everyone off which is what i'm good at so
3: that's fun that's a full hour discussion you guys i believe 60 something percent 67 67 said you did like the movie which is cool it's positive which is good yep yeah. Yeah. Which well, is funny because
1: so, i probably give that movie around a 65% that I, you know what I mean, like look,
2: maybe like 70-some percent. Which which, yeah, you're like yeah, dropping fair. your score each
1: day. I, I know, man. Like, I'm thinking the more, the more he he about, about I need to go
3: see it again. I really just need to go see I, it. Again. I was thinking about that too, actually.
2: So who we got? Who do we got shout-outs-wise?
3: Shout-outs to Chris Rumsey, John De La Tour, our good buddy John Forrest, uh, Eric Donis, Shardria Powell. I also screwed that up the first time, so apologies. <laughs> Noah Bashor, Sean Beeson. What is that? Yeah, Sean Beeson. Ghost Mitch. Ghost Mitch. <laughs> Ghost <laughs> Mitch. <laughs> never, mind, never mind. Ghost Mitch. Brian Bushwood, uh, Lauren Mayhew, our other good friend, uh, Adrian Hedden, and, of course, the indomitable Nathan Clark. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'd be remiss without saying that Dan Slot, who is the writer for Spider-Man, liked one of our tweets the other day. I was unabashedly sucking up to him. So it's kind of a big deal. It's a pretty big deal. It's a big deal. We got Scott Snyder. We got Dan Slott. We're working on Greg Capullo. I hey. tweeted at him, "Happy birthday!" And that son of a bitch didn't say <laughs> nothing back. See, this
2: is what happened last time. Malachi disparaged Greg Capullo, and then the hum started. So, yeah. if Greg, the hum we did, love you. If the hum is worse now, you know exactly who to blame. And that is Malachi. Yeah,
3: I may have compared to a a much maligned historical figure, to put it lightly. (laughs) Don't do it. Anyway. (laughs) Don't uh, do it. Greg, I really liked Batman 50 that came out. It concludes super heavy. Bruce Wayne's back in the cowl. Go read that. Really great art in that as well. What do we got for news, guys? We got
2: a couple of things, right? There's one thing that you posted, which I think needs to get out of the way really quick. Uh, 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 Mustafar must be close. Mm -hmm. So uh, scientists have found a lava planet close to Earth that is quite like Mustafar.
3: Yeah, just that's like my really crappy joke that I always play in my head when I'm when I hear Mustafar. Uh, you yeah. reverse the letters. What's its uh, companion planet? Must be close. Aha uh-huh. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. Ladies take a break, guys. Goodness. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, they found some like lava planet in our solar system or where obviously not in our solar system, in our galaxy. Yep. So it's kind of like a place where you and your mentor can have a battle to the death and get your limbs cut off that's actually
1: how I got on this podcast was I had to fight you guys on that planet pretty much 18
3: hour years 18 hour years 18 hour years wow that thing is moving fast yeah
2: so fights would go real fast I think it's humming Mm. I'd get Mm. tired yeah so we got that. That's pretty cool. That's out of the way. DC
3: Rebirth. This is the main thing. The full thing. lineup has been announced for the creative teams, right? This is really uh, cool. there, I
1: think there's a couple of comics that don't have creative teams announced yet. I think they're still kind of working out the, the details. But mm-hmm. for the most part, I would say over 80% have been announced. And I have to say, you guys, I'm excited. Like, I like the creative teams that they put on some of the books. And I kind of like what they were showing us from those books. Um a green lantern is going to be led by simon baz and powering so we have an uh, ethnic diverse character and a female character leading the green lantern's main book
2: i'm really excited about that yeah. that's really cool and Baz is a really cool green lantern i mm-hmm. really like baz a lot so
1: i mean I, i'm excited for who's replacing snyder it's uh tim tim seeley who were, was a co-author on grayson which grayson is awesome so i'm excited to see what he will do with batman um the book I'm most excited about, Scott Snyder going and doing Bat- All Star Batman, just the cover alone, I'm pretty sure Jock did that color. It just looks like his art to me, but I might be wrong. Yeah. I'm so excited for and, that.
2: And just for the rundown, because I think that for me personally, the Snyder aspect was where I was most interested to see where he would land. You yeah. know, whether they were going to put him on a Superman book or whether they were going to put him on Justice League, like we talked about. But this is really, really I cool. I still think
1: that's coming. I think, could, I think when he and Greg get back together.
2: Justice League. Absolutely. But this really sets it up cool. So, like, All-Star Batman, is the way that they described it is that there's going to be Batman stories told with villains, right? So it's almost like Batman is te- like kind of teaming up with his villains, a la uh, Joker, or what is it, Batman Europa, right? Well, yeah, like, where
1: he's teaming up with the Joker. And they kind of did that with uh, Bat- the Batman and Robin storyline after Damien died. They, they teamed him
2: up with Two-Face. There was, like, him and Raza Ghoul Ghul for a little bit, so they kind of kept throwing people in there. So there is a precedent for doing this, and I think what this book is going to do is going to do that long-term. So it's like Brave and the Bold <laughs> with a Batman villain.
3: When you sell it like that, that's really cool. I'm yeah. excited to see his take on on the rogues gallery, too, because Snyder didn't really touch much of that in his regular Batman run.
2: No. Mm-hmm. Really yeah, no, not. and
1: I'm, I'm kind of excited to see him maybe do a little more, like, episodic comics instead of trying to do these big arcs, which, no complaining, I loved every arc, but yeah. I want to I see him do more. Um, and like I said, I'm excited for Tim Seeley taking over on Batman. I think we're gonna see, um, especially with Grayson, he was very like, it felt like a secret agent book, not like someone trying to be a secret agent. And I'm excited because I think we're gonna see Batman do more street level detective type stuff, and yeah. that's something I haven't seen in a while in the comics. And I'm excited to maybe. Yeah, see again.
3: I do. I do miss kind of that version. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's gonna be a real humdinger.
2: <laughs> Speaking of the hum. Yeah. Speaking of the hum. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. Wow, we went there. Okay, cool. That's awesome. We got uh, we got the news out of the way. So, guys, we got a we got a special interview with one of Kelsey's friends. We brought him on. He's a card aficionado, and uh, he also talks about the game that we're gonna play here pretty soon. It's called Super Fight, and we're gonna play on air. We'll introduce that when we get back from the interview. But uh, we also talk about you know kind of the growth of cards, uh, how they intersect with the comic book industry, especially as more comic book shops are selling cards almost more exclusively and how card game shops are propping up, kind of taking business away from comic books, too, which is really interesting. We have a really great talk with him. Uh, mm-hmm. I did that interview, so I'm going to shut up, so you you know, you have to hear my voice for another like 40 minutes. It's about time. Yeah. So we'll be back, guys. We're going to be
3: back moment. faster than a hummingbird can flap its wings. God, how many of these are you going to do? That's about all I can come up <laughs> with, but I bet I can get some more. Cut to commercial. We're good.
2: Wake up in the morning and I go
0: and get the paper. Got to get the paper.
2: Hey guys!
3: This episode of Raving Geeks has been sponsored by the Hall of Heroes, located in Campus Court next to Subway. The Hall of Heroes is open six days a week, Monday through Saturday. Visit their website at www.hallofheroesllc.com and let the Hall of Heroes become your go-to comic book destination.
2: My synopsis is real. Never had that fixie feel with cats who make waves and happily get a three sixty deal. Hey guys, we are back, and uh, Kelsey and I are having a little bit of a special interview today. Uh, we've been talking for a while about doing a, a game game podcast, right? You know, yeah. Whether well, it was card games, app games, video games. All the games. Because we don't talk enough about games. We really don't. We don't really don't. We don't get into it. So today we are dedicating this special section to games and gaming. And uh, today with us we have one of Kelsey's friends, a uh, 2013 grad, uh, an esteemed alumnus from CMU, Mr. Tony Adams. Tony, how you doing?
0: I'm doing great. Thanks Good. Thanks for having me, guys.
2: Good, yeah. Thanks for thanks for coming in. That's great. Um, so Tony is pretty well-versed in different types of card games, some competitive, some cooperative. But, uh, you know, when I think of the world of of tabletop gaming and card gaming, you know, I usually think of Magic. I think of something like, and it's kind of goofy, but maybe Pokemon, you know. True. Um But there's so much more out there. So what are the different types of tabletop card games that anyone can can play?
0: I think... Like you mentioned already, you know Magic the Gathering and Pokemon, like Yu Gi Oh, and all those games. You know, it's those are ones that I'm really not that into personally now, but of course are really big and they have their huge tournaments and all that type of stuff. So you've got those, those more competitive type, um, card games, deck building games. I think a lot of times people call because you can you know, you style your own deck to how you want to play and your strategy and things like that. Um, but a lot of a lot of other games that I play. Or either cooperative games or um, competitive, but they're more like I mean, it's more like Uno, something like that. Where you know, of course, that's more of a popular family style game, but um, but games where you know it's a tabletop game involving cards. It's not necessarily like a card game, maybe. Um, but like a couple I play a lot recently, more recently, would be Sentinels of the Multiverse. Is a really good, cool one. That one. It's sort of that same style of deck building game, but you don't really you don't really have a choice in the deck you're using, but that game specifically kind of has this like superhero um world that the creators of the game have made up. A lot of the, and a lot of the characters are there's like Legacy is the name of this one hero and he's basically Superman, but he's not really Superman. So there's a lot of characters similar to Marvel characters um and other characters in, in that that we know, but they've just put their own spin on it and then each hero has a deck, each villain has a deck. So you have multiple people playing against a single villain. And it sort of it sort of stacks the villain's power depending on how many people are playing against them. So um that game's a whole lot of fun and it's interesting because like a lot of video games, um where you know, maybe you play a certain character a certain type of character where you get really good at those abilities that, that that type of character has. It's similar to where you know everyone is playing a different hero with a whole different set of abilities. The deck plays in a totally different way. so you can actually kind of like main that character, I guess you'd call it, and learn the ins and outs of that deck and you know maybe you know like, oh well they have this equipment card that you know until you get that, you're you're kind of waiting. For your chance to get it and then once that happens you just you know you're like twice as powerful now and things like that and you can kind of do synergies playing people's powers off of each other and things things of that that nature so
2: so what i'm what i'm gathering for some of this is that like it's almost like playing an rpg game but with with cards so it's like an rpg kind of video game situation but you're you're building up a character you're building up things like that is it would that be accurate
0: yeah i think so you know it's sort of an rpg game without role-playing. Mm-hmm. So it's it's all the mechanics that you get from an RPG uh, to some extent, but the character, you know, you don't really customize their story, you don't talk about that side of things. Um, but they do have a pretty extensive, um, you know, background for all the characters and who 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 people's nemesis are and things like that that the, that the game creators have come up with. Um, but, of course, that's just, you know, one example of many. Um, another one that I've been into and purchased recently that I don't think a lot of people really know about. And maybe it's just because it's a smaller um, smaller game creator called Cryptozoic Cryptozoic Games, I think it is. Mm. Um, but that game I call Battle Wizards, but the full name is ridiculous. Battle Wizards. <laughs> it's Epic Spell Wars of the Battle Wizards, Duel at Mount Skullfire. Wow, that is
2: that is the epic, epic title. Absolutely. This
0: was
4: my check and rec from a couple weeks ago, actually.
0: Was it really? It was. Fantastic. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so this game, um, it's a lot of fun, and th- this and many others. I don't, if you guys are Geek and Sundry fans, the YouTube channel that I know those guys have reviewed it, and um, this game, it's similar in that you choose you know what character you want to play, and then that that character has just kind of a card where you keep keep score of your health, your HP. Um, everyone starts at twenty HP, and then as you play, you're playing against each other trying to kill off, you know, your enemy wizards in just this crazy, epic battle. And all the cards, I guess the real draw to this game for me was the art is, like, just fantastic. It's, like, really cartoony and just totally ridiculous. Mm -hmm. Kind of similar to, like, Adventure Time, the show, like, that style somewhat. And it's just crazy, ridiculous nonsense. And a lot of the card names are just absurd weird names. Give me an example of one of
2: these absurd names.
0: So, let's see. There's uh one one of them well just to help explain the, the each turn in the game, you can you build a, a single spell. Mm-hmm. So, you can use up to 3 cards and there's um your leftmost card is going to be sort of like the first the first piece of the spell. Then you have a middle card called like uh, quality, I believe, and then the last card is the delivery. And so you can either play just two of the three, and you get to shoot it off faster because it's it's a smaller spell, it's quicker, so you can get do it before other people have a chance to hurt you. Um, or you can play a full spell, and your last card will tell you what your initiative number is, what how, how quickly you can play. Um, but one one example of like a full spell might be, well, there's like Pew and Pews, which is just just made up characters on you know. On the card, on the card, uh, pew and pew's explodifying. Um, oh, what's a good one?
2: Sounds like uh, trogdor speaking, or no, uh, what's this? It's uh, strong bad, strong bad. Sounds like strong, yeah, <clears throat> ranting and raving. Yeah,
0: very all I can think that. of
4: is like Professor Presto, but that's an initiative card, which is like the first card.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of those, I don't know, I can't, I can't think of a I last know, of. I can't. The but delivery
4: for, ones are the best, too.
0: Yeah, but I don't know. I mean, that's one example where maybe you don't have that last card because you've only played two of three. You get to go before everybody else. So it would be like, you know, Professor Presto's Explodifying Spell. And the way that I play it, at least in a lot of people I, I think should play it, is you are supposed to speak in uh, in character for your wizard and you're supposed to announce the entire spell because that just adds fun to the game. But
2: Absolutely. So what, what's, I mean, other than just this specific game, but what to you is the appeal of playing tabletop games as opposed to playing something like a mainstream console video game, things like that? Why, why does it interest you?
0: Um, I'd say the biggest piece is actually being there, you know, playing with other people in person, which, you know, of course today it's easy to play, games online with people it's so much easier to just hook up with people on xbox or on pc and play games um but they have actually kind of have been reaching into that um with the ta- the tabletop games and card games because there's there's websites um and i think there's actually some some games in on steam on the pc where you can basically have like a table a tabletop and then you can like download different games to play with people online for people who can't you know can't meet in person because just of uh, location um but yeah I'd say that's a big part of it for me you know it's I'm a long time Dungeons and Dragons player as well so just that that idea of having an actually like having a book in your hands that you're using to play actually having physical cards and meeting with people you know having people over and all that is a big part of it but I think another thing is there is just a different dynamic than video games where even if it's a cooperative game, you're very much, you know, playing on your controller, your guy, concentrating on yourself. And, um, and I mean, of course, that's, that's great. That's how those games are designed. That's how they, they have to be played. But when you're playing on a tabletop, you know, you're, like, rolling dice and you, you're all working together and passing each other cards and dice and everything. So, I don't know, all in all, I guess for me, it's kind of the community or the social aspect of it where there's something to be said for playing together in person as opposed to um you know just online with a mic and that
2: brings up an interesting point too is because with video game culture i mean there's there's always just a culture attached to some fandoms you know we have our nerd culture that we talk about all the time to some degree some sect of it you know this Mm -hmm. is just another aspect of that um you know how deep is that culture and if someone's completely new How hard is it to permeate that culture? How hard is it for someone to get involved with other people? Right.
0: Um, I would say there's definitely a huge following, and it's almost like, I mean, I don't know if you could quote me on this term, but it's almost like right now there's like a golden age of tabletop games because there's just so many different places that make the games. Um, There's a lot of support by the companies that make the games. You know, they don't just come out with, a new version of Yahtzee or Jenga or something, and then push that out and whatever. You know, it's not these bigger companies doing that. It's these little shops and even just individual people at home that come up with these cool new ideas for a game that hasn't done, been been done before. And then at conventions or at, at their local game shops or wherever, they'll have people play test it um, and kind of get a get a feel for it, give feedback. So I think it's there's really a large community that's getting bigger and bigger and it's also a community of like two-way communication between the players and and the people who make the games and the people that make the games are usually some of the biggest fans of other people's games too so um for the past few years I've been going to Gen Con down in Indianapolis and that's been a ton of fun where it's one of the bigger game conventions but I don't know that a lot of people know about it unless you're from the area or you know you know someone that's really into these types of games um but that's basically the big convention in america for tabletop games and board games and um dungeons and dragons and things like that and yeah you go there and it's just thousands and thousands and thousands of people i think every year recently i've only been there the past two or three years and each year there's been more and more people there like they show the numbers you know in news articles and things and it's just crazy and like the convention just takes over the town. Um so there's definitely a huge following, definitely more and more people getting into it. And it and it is really easy for for new people to get into cuz I think everyone's familiar with games like this, but they don't really know cuz it's like you really can't rule out like Monopoly and Uno and stuff from like this genre of games because sure. they really are tabletop games. Mm-hmm. It's just, you know, people might say they're more family style than like nerdy or something like that. But um but, yeah, you know, if anybody have seen people from, you know, who you'd classify as, like, big-time nerds or, like, gamers or whoever all the way to just, you know, somebody who's more of a, like a jock mm-hmm. or whatever, and it's it's just depending on the theme of the game and all of that, it's really easy to get into. And some are more difficult to play, and some are easier. So I think that's another piece of it, too, where, you know, if you're used to playing Monopoly, you're not going to go and play some, you know, there's one game, I, ha- I haven't actually played it, but it's called Twilight Imperium, and it comes in this huge box, and I've heard that it's kind of like Axis and Allies, if you're familiar, where it's this, like, entire, but it's, it's space-themed, so it's, like, there's this entire universe of, like, alien races, and there's, like, a trading system, I think, and all sorts of crazy stuff, and it just takes you hours and days to play it, so there's ones like, ones like that, where it's, like, yeah, you're, you know, run-of-the-mill, gamer or, you know, run of the mill person's not really gonna get into it very quickly.
2: And I was gonna say that sounds rather intimidating to Right, right. You know?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um but yeah, I think it it just depends just depends on the style. And and there's a such a variety of game styles within the genre that I think that's part of it too, where, you know, apples to apples and Cards Against Humanity, those are really some of the more popular games in the genre too mm-hmm. and every you know it's like everybody knows about those games people play them all the time they're part you know they're party games so
2: and you know the the rise of the kind of the party game i mean has that party game aspect been a part of the culture for a long time or is that is that relatively new i mean apples to apples has been around but i mean cards against humanity only came out like what like about five years ago six years ago something like that right, right. so has, has there been more of a push for these kind of tabletop party card
0: games recently I'd say so. I think maybe, maybe from like the game creators' side, you know, it's been recognized that tabletop games are getting bigger. So I'm sure, you know, I'm no expert, but I'm sure to some extent people are saying, "Oh, it'd be really good for us to make more of a like easy to pick up party game," or you know, we should make a game that doesn't last two hours. We should make a game that you could play for ten minutes or five hours. It just depends on what you want to do. so that's like another example of a game that I've been playing recently is called Super Fight. Mm-hmm. And it's very it's very similar to, or to Cards Against Humanity where you you've got cards that it'll be it'll say like Frankenstein or Hitler or <laughs> something really <laughs> like just all these different, you know, characters or people, you know,
4: Nicolas Cage you, I think is
2: one.
0: Yeah. And they
2: just they duke it out then, right? Is that yeah. the idea? Yeah,
0: basically everybody you know gets to choose out of their hand who they want to be their fighter, and then they'd be like, has a cape or has, a, has an accent or carries a trident or whatever. So there's like, you, you, you equip them, you put them in the ring, um, and then there's a few expansions. One of them is like adult-rated ones, so that's, of course, it includes Hitler and a lot of other things like that. Yeah. Um, but then there's some for like the arena they're playing in. I might say, oh, well, but it's underwater. And that one, there's not a lot of strict rules, so you might expect a game like that to like have all the, you know, you have all these, all these stats for your character, and you have to roll dice and stuff. But that's not the case. You just, you just basically say, hey, this is my guy. He's carrying a trident, and, you know, I think he's gonna beat up Nicolas Cage with a cape because Nicolas Cage is just a guy, and I'm like a T-Rex with a trident.
2: The T-Rex always beats Nicolas Cage, anytime.
0: Sure. I'd say so. I'd Maybe. say so.
2: We'd like to, we should play that game on air. No, yeah. I that think that'd be fantastic. super fun. Wow, that's awesome. So, I mean, what's the, what's the weirdest one you've ever played? I mean, like, I, I have an example of one. I'm, I'm not a huge tabletop gamer, but, like, mm-hmm. I pick up little things here and there just kind of, like, quiche and, like, you know, not, you know, kish, excuse me, not quiche. Quiche is an active. That's a food. But, you know, I would eat quiche and quiche at the same time. Yeah. Um, but one of them was, was called um, Beardos, I think it was. And I think I found it at a dollar store. And even though it was like a dollar, this is like one of the coolest games I've ever played. Basically, you get like a beard or a mustache on one side of the card. And then it tells you like who it is on the other side. And one person just kind of like reads like this like this list of like what this person's mustache or beard did. And you have to like hold it up to your mustache or beard. And somebody has to keep on guessing and guessing and guessing until they get down to, like, the point scale. Like, each list item has a different point scale, like, attached to it. Okay. And as you go on. And that's absolutely ridiculous, right? <laughs> Like, I sit around with my family or my friends. They're all drunk. I don't drink. But, like, it's still ridiculous the entire time. <laughs> so there's one example of just really one strange one that I've found. What are some strange ones that you've found?
0: Hmm. I'd say one of those is probably Super Fight. That we just brought up where it's, you know, just ridiculous, nonsensical, Mm -hmm. you know, characters and situations. And you're just saying, like, oh, well, what if these people fight? And that's what I love about, like, the people that made the game. So, I'm like, somebody sat in a room and said, what if we just made a game of, like, hey, who would win in a fight? This guy or this guy? And then you argue. And that's just literally what they put into the game. Like, (laughs) it's great. But I would say that's one just because yeah, the, just the variety of crazy, ridiculous uh, things that can come up. Um, and very, very similar to like Cars Against Humanity, you know, every half the time he, everybody's just kind of making jokes and, and cracking up about it because it's there's no there's, there's no structure to the game. It's just yeah. um, it's just nonsense. But
2: getting back to the competitive stuff and even yeah. the cooperative stuff, how heated do some of these matches get? Like, I mean, obviously, you guys are extremely passionate about what you guys do. You know, as with any any bit of, bit of geek or nerd culture, but how heated do things get sometimes at the tabletop?
0: Uh, definitely can get heated. I think I think myself and and the the couple friend friend groups circles that I generally play with are more laid back uh, personalities in the first place, so we don't usually run into too big of an issue. But mm-hmm. I've certainly watched videos online, or um, you know, I think even at Um, conventions I've seen that happen where you're walking by and you just kind of overhear somebody getting real mad about something and and it's funny because it's just it's a lot a lot of it's really like a sports mentality and like that's one thing I think people don't understand a lot like um, you know I've heard people make kind of make a parallel between Dungeons and Dragons and um, and like fantasy sports and, you know, when you when you look at it in detail, they are really very, very different. But to some degree, the pe- like, just the people, the way that you, you know, you're following a team, you're following this character that you control, and you have customization over, um, you know, what's going on in the game. Uh, and, and there's, you know, the numbers and statistics and all that, I think is a big part of it. So, you know, back in the day, people made a big deal about how, you know, oh, well, nerds, and, like, nerds playing D&D and all this, and they're they're all, like, indoor kids and neckbeards and the weird people. But now it's, you know, it's all really expanding into a larger following, and it's, I feel like, kind of the walls of the stereotypes are falling down. Um, so, so, yeah, to some degree, you get those heated moments, you know, especially in a role-playing game like Dungeons & Dragons where, that is your character, that is you, and you've been playing, pretty much acting as them, Um, depending on how you play, you know, sometimes literally acting like you're on stage uh, as this person, and then you get to a point where you might actually die, or you just did actually die, and of course you're going to be mad. Like, that has been you, and you've put hours and hours into this person, and of course it depends. In my group, Usually when things like that happen, we're a little bit lenient and we're like, oh, you know, so so this guy died. So he doesn't exist in this world anymore, but maybe there's a way to bring him back to life. Or, oh, we'll just have you, like, rename him and you're a new guy who's similar but not quite the same guy and stuff. But you get some groups where...
2: Very strict about these things, huh? Yeah,
0: like yeah. the dungeon master, game master, whatever you want to call them. They might be real strict about it and they'll say, oh, no, in my world, like, you die, you're dead. That's how it works in real life, so you're dead, you have to go like burn your character sheet and you don't need it to come back to life. You've got to, you've got to completely re roll your character, make a new person. And so I've heard lots of stories of people getting pretty pretty upset over that, leaving groups over that. Any table friend. flips?
2: Anybody flip a table that you've ever seen at a convention <sighs> or anything? I hope so. I, I hope haven't so. seen any
0: <laughs> but I'm sure, I'm sure.
2: You know, this, you said something interesting too, that like this this is, keeps growing, you know, obviously the fan base is growing larger and I think that there's a really cool Interaction between the creators and things like that from what you're telling me. And, you know, these little pockets of of geek culture kind of grow, you know, exclusive, mutually exclusive to each other. But overall, I mean, we've seen a large, huge expansion of of people, everyday people being more open to geek culture Mm -hmm. as a whole. Do you think that the kind of the growth of of comic movies and and the comic fascination, the Mm -hmm. superhero fascination has helped
0: that grow as well? Certainly, yeah, I, I think, like you said, you know you put it, you put it, you put it very well of how kind of all the different sectors of Geekdom are all expanding and and, again, like the stereotypes are kind of fizzling away as time goes on. And yeah, I think there's really, you know, a lot of people who are gamers are into tabletop games, are into superhero movies are into all that. So, and like I said before, you know, somebody who might you might pin as a total jock. Their favorite movie of all time could be like Iron Man or something. And, you know, I feel like a decade ago or so, um, you know, not that the Iron Man movie existed, but, you know, that was, it was much more of a thing where it's like, you didn't, you know, oh, well, you didn't want to be a part of that because you were like a sports kid yeah. or whatever. And now it's just kind of everyone's into who what they're into. And, um, but yeah, I think definitely like the tabletop gaming community is that way as well. And it's interesting at Gen Con, that, at that convention, You always get a lot of people cosplaying and dressing up. um, But it's really not, you know, you get Comic-Con. Of course, that's a huge one for people to dress up at. And you get conventions specifically about, like, anime. Or it's a a convention about cosplay. So, of course, you're going to get lots and lots of people dressing up there. But here's one where it's more about board games. But you have people there. Like, last year it was hilarious because they were just, like, I think in one day I counted, like, 30 Deadpool's <laughs> walking around. And so it's great because you just have that total geek culture all across the board. And people are here about these board games. There might not be a board game relating to the character whatsoever, but they just come and they dress up because it's fun. Yeah. Um so yeah, you get those the, the different groups of people into different types of games. And again, the variety of games is so large now that you could be you could be there solely for the Magic the Gathering tournament and you're this hardcore magic player, have been for years, trying to win awards, all this stuff. But then you get people like me where I'm somewhat of a casual gamer, and there's a few like miniatures games that I'm into, one of which called Malifaux, and War Machine's another one. And so those are other ones where they can get real competitive, but I usually just play it more casually. So, you know, they've got areas where you can go and just pick up a game with whoever, and then, you know, from this time to this time on Wednesday you know they'll have an actual tournament things like that so so at the convention and just in general you know um, in the real world there's there's such a variety of games that you can you know you can be into just one specific thing or you can just love all of it it just depends,
2: and I think that crossover is really cool too. And it it brings up another interesting point too: is that you know while the tabletop gaming got really bigger, you know, in the, in the later nineties and the nineties, and then into the two thousands, you know, comic book shops felt the need that okay, we need to bolster our sales by offering card games. Right? Mm-hmm. You go to Hall of Heroes anytime, of course you've got racks and racks of comic books, but then you've got just cases and cases of decks and you know anything like that. Dice, you've got a whole barrel full of dice and yeah. stuff like that too. Um, when I talk to comic book owners, shop owners though, is that there is a kind of a fear that because tabletop is getting so much, much more large, mm-hmm. getting so much more popular, that specific tabletop shops are opening up, kind of siphoning away that business from from the comic book shop. Right. In in your opinion, from being a gamer, is that a good thing for the fan base? And if that is a good thing for the fan base, then what where does it leave comic book shop owners if they're like trying to get their bread and butter from that
0: i would say it's it's a good thing for the fan base to some extent um and like you said a lot of those places have kind of turned into a half and half mm-hmm. where it's it's you know primarily a comic book store it used to be primarily a comic book store and now it's half and half or even more so um a tabletop you know like a gaming store and I think it's good to some extent because like we just talked about, there really is just a whole mixture of um of what what individual people are into. So it's like if you're a part of the fan base, you know, you're I would say, you know, your run of the mill person who is into tabletop gaming is probably into comic books to some extent or is probably into um you know, they're probably into all the superhero movies and all the di- and, and all that. So when you talk about Geekdom, Overall, most people that are a part of that culture are gonna are, are not going to subscribe to just one little piece. Um, so to some extent I think it's good and I think it's good for them to have a variety of things available at stores. I'm sure, you know, comic book owners or store owners um, you know, to some extent it's not great for them because they do have to adapt. And I'm sure if if the in the in the, the store owner's opinion you know, if they don't really care about games, but they're huge into comic books, and that's what they've done, it's going to be harder for that person to like to bring in that new clientele. Um, but I think it's probably something that needs to happen for those people to stay open. Unfortunately, but you know, there's of course other factors like location and things like that. You know, around here, um, Mount Pleasant, Michigan, or you know, other smaller towns in Michigan, I, you know you would probably classify it as a rural area. If you're going to have, like, one shop who may or may not be both, might just be comics, um, and they're going to have a small clientele, it's going to be a small shop. But you get into places like New York or even bigger places in Michigan like Ann Arbor that, um, where I'm living now, um, you know, down there there's a couple shops, one of which has, like, tabletop games and miniature games.
2: Are you talking about Vault of Midnight? Is uh, it Vault, or is it- Vault of
0: Midnight, oh, I'm trying to remember. Is it greater than games? Okay. I think that's the name of the other one. But yeah, Vault of Midnight was what I was going to say next, where mm-hmm. there's the one where they don't really have any comic books, but Vault of Midnight, upstairs, totally comic books, um, action figures, things like that. And then downstairs, they have a ton of board games. So they really embrace just the total half and half. And they get tons of people in there all the time. Every time I go in, they're packed. Um, so, So I guess, yeah, to answer your question, I think for the culture and for the clientele, it's good to have both and I think you'll probably get enough people um, who are looking for both, and I think it's also a way to get people who are into games into comics, because I've never really been a huge comic nerd, but every time I go in there now, I kind of look around and I'm like, I've never, you know, I've never really been into this, but I look over and I see, I don't know, like the Walking Dead comics, you know, I've watched the show, I haven't read the comics, a lot of people have read the comics, and then got into the show, and then, like most things, complain about the show because it doesn't yeah, all the time. <laughs> match the comics, yeah. But um, but that's one in particular where I go in there and every time I walk by, I'm like, oh, I really want that, I really want that. Well, I could just borrow it for a friend, but I really want to own it. So I think it kind of goes both ways where it gets people in those two little niches to to kind of cross over and, um, again, just like the overall culture, just kind of expand and become one, so...
2: Absolutely, and nerd love is is all all encompassing. Yes. We, um, by we,
4: the way, Ben, I have an update.
2: You have an update.
4: I have uh, purchased Super Fight.
2: You uh, have purchased Super. So did you just buy it like while we were on the air? Yes. See, okay. <laughs> let me just talk about how, how awesome Kelsey is. Not only did she buy Super Fight for us, but she found us. I mean, she's well connected. Obviously, she found us some interview subjects. This this is fantastic. So we got to give a kind of a, a small little golf clap for. Kelsey. Oh yeah.
4: Just you know, doing what I can.
2: Just doing what she can. Well, that's great. Well, thank you so much, Tony, for, for joining us today. This was an awesome conversation. Uh, as always, you can check out some uh, fine tabletop gaming at Hall of Heroes. And if you find another shop, let us know, too, and we'll, we'll kind of direct you there. But, uh, yeah, I think that's good. Thanks a lot, Tony. Yeah, thanks for having me.
3: Wake up in the morning and i get the paper.
2: Got to
0: get
3: the paper. Hey, guys, this episode of Raving Geeks has been sponsored by The Hall of Heroes. Located in Campus Court next to Subway, the Hall of Heroes is open six days a week, Monday through Saturday. Visit their website at www.hallofheroesllc.com and let the Hall of Heroes become your go to comic book destination.
2: All
3: right, we're back. Tyler, do you know why hummingbirds hum? No,
1: and I know you will tell me.
3: It's because they don't know the words. Ooh. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Non-stop block of hummingbird jokes. Uh, we're going to do our on-air game now. Kelsey, can you explain Superfight for us, please?
4: Yeah, okay. So Superfight is basically just an excuse to argue with people over dumb stuff. Um, so what you're going to do is you're going to take three white cards, which are character cards, mm-hmm. and then you're going to take three black cards, which are attributes. Got it. So you take these three, and this it's only two players at a time. So you take three of each, and you pick the best one of each, and then you discard whatever you have, whatever you're done with, whatever you're not using. So let's
3: let's go right now then, Tyler. You want to pick three, so three of each. All right. Don't
4: show anybody what you have.
3: Got it. And then
4: you pick uh the two best ones. Okay. And then you discard the rest in two separate piles.
3: Okay. 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 Oh, geez. These are both pretty great. Mm. All right.
4: And then what you do is you're going to reveal your cards. Oh, sorry. sorry, sorry.
3: Okay. So reveal our cards. So I have... Re- pick- no, re- the
4: ones that you picked. Sorry.
3: Oh, wait. So we... The okay. chosen cards. i am got this thing all backwards. You
4: discard the ones that you're not using.
3: Gotcha. Okay. I'm going to pick then a sumo wrestler locked in a shark cage.
4: Okay, now you reveal your two chosen cards.
3: I'm gonna have the devil. Oh no, the voodoo devil or the
1: Anglo Christian. The, the the devil, devil. Okay, Dave Grohl from Tenacious D, the devil. <laughs> no, <laughs> Man, that's pretty cool. And controls an army of flying monkeys. Oh boy! All right, now why did I
3: pick? You're All gonna right. pick
4: one attribute <laughs> card from one of these piles. Okay. Another black card to add to it. It's gonna be at random.
3: Oh boy, my sumo wrestler rock- locked in a sharp cage is rabid.
1: Mine is a stuffed animal. <laughs> So, wait, are the flying monkeys stuffed animals, or is my devil a stuffed devil?
4: That's your argument to, okay. to have. Okay. So, you guys are going to basically argue about which one is better, and then Ben and I decide who wins.
3: Okay, so this is like if they had to fight each other? Yes. Okay, go ahead, Tyler.
1: Okay, so I have the devil. Okay, he's got lots of magic, but let's not forget, he controls an army of flying monkeys. Your sumo wrestler, admirable, but he's locked in a cage, okay? My sw- sw- swarm of monkeys will continue to just go inside the cage. You cannot escape from them. Plus, they're stuffed animals. So even though they're squishy and soft, they will suffocate you over time. You will not be able to escape the cage. You will not be able to ex- escape my control of flying monkeys. The devil will reign supreme once again.
3: <laughs> what, is, uh, what is the stuffed animal come to play? Who's the stuffed animal then? Your monkeys? The monkeys are, you... are the stuffed animals. Okay. So and they, they just swarm
1: you. They can't actually do anything then? I said, you are stuck in the cage. They will cut out air supply and you will suffocate.
3: Okay. So let's talk about the limitations of the devil's powers. You've established that it's the Christian devil, not the voodoo devil. So that's good. We've already got kind of a lockdown on it. Mm -hmm. How much power does Satan really possess? He was an angel created by God who turned against God's authority and uh, inherited a kingdom of evil spirits. Now, most of Satan's power resides in the heavenly realm spiritual world he doesn't have a whole lot of power actually on earth he can enact evil and cause direct harm um however like his effect on like humans there's not like any references to the bible of him like shooting fire or really doing anything he's more of kind of manipulator and influencer now my rabid sumo wrestler already is pissed off anything that you say to him is not gonna sway him in his rage he's he's going at it now he's locked in a shark cage. Doesn't specify that there are any sharks in there. Doesn't even specify that there's water. It's just he's in a cage that is meant for sharks. Which, frankly, is a good defense against an army of stuffed animal monkeys that are coming at him in the first place. It doesn't say that he can't unlock the cage. It also say, doesn't say that he doesn't have the key. So perhaps he could use that as a shield. He could turn pieces of the cage into weaponry. And he's a sumo wrestler. He's, he's made for grappling against these kinds of like larger-than-life things. So put the devil in a headlock, and you're going down.
1: Okay, my rebuttal to that, you read the card. It says locked in a shark cage, meaning you are stuck in there. You cannot get out. You do not have the key. The devil is not wearing a diaper, so therefore the sumo would not be able to grab hold of him and throw him around like he's used to throwing around other large diapered men. Stu- man. I'm glad you brought in the fact that he has this like spiritual power because that helps him control his flying monkeys. They have they won't be able to fight his will. They're just they're inanimate objects, so he doesn't have to worry about posing his will over anything. There's no will to impose. He just he channels his power through the stuffed animals, again swarming you, keeping you ca- stuck stuck and locked in that cage to where your sumo wrestler will unable to get out, be unable to get out.
3: Again, I'm going to say a sumo wrestler who is rabid, by the way. You know, large, I'm thinking probably at least 200. pounds. Is the devil affected by rabies? No, I'm just saying it it just adds to his temperament. He can easily handle an army of stuffed animals, even if they fly. Terrestrial bound or not, those monkeys have no chance. Again, the shark cage, you're just fighting on his turf. So him being in a shark cage doesn't really negatively affect him at all. And at the end of the day... He's a he's a man full of power, and the devil is just using uh, an army of, of crappy monkeys to fight him. So now we're going to throw it to the judges, I think. What do you guys have to say?
4: Ben, would you like to go first?
3: Yeah, I'll go first. Okay. We're going to get him on the mic.
2: Okay. Um, I just want to say that uh, the the insinuation that the devil would use flying stuffed monkeys as a form of attack is kind of ridiculous as it is. <laughs> So I think uh, as a basis of just this game, uh, Tyler lost already <laughs> because by the cards that he, he drew. Because sometimes, you know, the cards are not in your favor. Mm-hmm. But I did like Malachi's argument that uh, this, this rabid sumo wrestler can repurpose his cage into uh, weaponry. Uh, it shows his ingenuity. And um, I just don't think the devil really thought this one through this time. So I'm going to give this one to Malachi.
4: Um, as a famous song goes, Tyler... Sometimes you gotta know know when to walk away and know <laughs> when to run. So uh, I'm also gonna have to give. This I, one th- to I Malachi. think
1: Malachi. I'm gonna pull the Malachi explanation and say. It was not my fault I lost. It was the the cards that I drew's fault Look, that my, I lost. Look, my
3: pick was really bad. I also had the attribute car, cards 10 stories tall and can stretch like rubber. Those would have been extremely useful. <laughs> you would have had E-Honda, yeah, e Han- you you e basically. Yeah, seriously. And then my other cards were the UN. So imagine <coughs> imagine the entire UN that's can stretch like rubber or 10 stories tall of UN delegates. That'd be incredible. And I could have also just picked the movie character. So I kind of didn't do myself any favors here either. Yeah,
1: I had a smoke monster and is drunk. And I, I thought about throwing a drunk devil out there, but I thought the uh, controlling an army of flying monkeys would be better. The stuffed animal is really what shot me yeah, at the Yeah, that foot. really did All right, go you. ahead
4: and discard those. And now it's time for Ben and I to face off.
3: All right. So we're going to have uh, Ben versus Kelsey here. Mm-hmm. And then we'll probably have time for, I think, just one more, right? Yeah, we'll and do, then we'll, we'll do, do the, winners yep. versus winners. Okay, All right. so
4: take three of each, and you pick the best one and put them face down. And those are the ones that you're going to reveal. Ooh. How
3: much did this game cost? $35. $35?
4: Mm-hmm.
3: That's not bad.
4: They also have expansion packs, including a nerd expansion.
3: Ooh, I like this though. This is pretty fun. All right. Ben has discarded one of his cards. Oh, no, he's putting down what he wants. And he's made his selection. A hush falls over the crowd. Easy,
2: easy, super, super, super easy.
3: All right, now it's all very okay. ooh,
1: confident. This man I, is very confident.
3: Your, our faces were very close just then. Our
2: beards were touching. Yeah. As we pick, a little bit of static, witty banter, and uh, affection. All
4: right, Now you're gonna reveal your cards. Okay,
2: okay. I am, I am, <laughs> yeah, bold I Bold strategy count. The Men in Black.
4: Please.
0: Oh, ooh.
2: with a time machine, phone booth, a la Bill and Ted, all or
0: right, essentially Men in Black Three. You yeah, pretty much
4: add a black and i um a black card at so, random.
2: So here's Oh, just from my deck?
4: Yep, just from a random deck.
2: And is a thousand years old.
3: <laughs> that hm. Mm, okay, it's gonna see we're gonna have to see how you play that one.
2: I will.
4: Okay. I have a giant squid armed with a harpoon gun.
3: That's a that's ironic. <laughs> yeah, it that's a twist.
4: I'm also armed with a sadness ray.
3: Wow. That's this
2: okay. is good. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna take it upon myself to go first here. And all that right.
3: squid already has ten extra arms that aren't holding things. Yes, it
2: does. But I think I have an advantage here. Okay, we're talking about the Men in Black, right? Which is like the preeminent defense of the Earth against all aliens and potentially, you know, supernatural stuff. We're not really sure.
3: In the comics, they handled a lot of supernatural threats. So
2: there you go. So there, there's that aspect of it. So they fought everything, right? They, the giant squids are like pond scum compared to the threats that Men in Black have constantly faced. All right, whether it's Will Smith, Wild Wild Smith. Or Tommy Lee Jones, these guys are are super bad. Now, might I say that this is not your regular Men in Black, right? This Men in Black team is a thousand years old, right? So you're talking about like before any of them discovered any alien contact whatsoever, these guys hold the keys to the universe and they've seen it all. In fact, they travel back and forth in time in a machine, uh, time machine phone booth to uh, not only address threats in the future, but also threats in the past and have a wealth of knowledge that the majority of the regular men in black team does not have. By that virtue alone and their weaponry, which is probably more advanced from the future, that giant squid is done in a heartbeat.
4: All right, so here's here's my argument. Um, first of all, uh, a giant squid is a cephalopod, which are known to be extremely intelligent. Um, not to mention the fact that it's a giant squid, so it's already got size on the men in black. They're, I'm sorry, how old? A 1,000 years old. So I I can't imagine that their health is in any kind of good shape. Also, um, my giant squid is armed with a harpoon gun, which I like to imagine he stole from his previous battle. So obviously he's good at turning others' weapons against his enemies. He's also armed with a sadness ray, and let's all face it, it's hard to do anything when you're sad, so... (laughs) (laughs) So I think that he's just gonna make you know the Men in Black really sad, and it's it's gonna be hard for them to fight, especially since they're a thousand years old. You know, all their friends are dead. They're just like the dinosaurs, really. So uh, I'm gonna have to go with the giant squid
2: on this one. My rebuttal to you is this, right? <laughs> Hang on, I just,
3: I'm gonna have to go with the giant squid on this one as a phrase that I'm really glad <laughs>
2: I'm hearing. I think that should be the title of the episode. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go with the Giant, <laughs> go giant Squad on this one. Okay, that being said, we're assuming here that the men in black that you speak of that are a 1,000 years old are in fact men. If you watch uh, Men in Black or read the comics, many of the men in black are actually aliens themselves – that have come to help protect the Earth and the cosmos in general. These uh, these special men in black, special agents, if you will, may have lifespans of tens of thousands of years old, so this is this is a drop in the pale. These guys are in their prime right now if they're thousand years old. And might I say that uh, your argument of their sadness, uh, I don't know if you saw men in black, but uh, men in black are in- inherently sad. In fact, Tommy Lee Jones spends the majority of the movie uh, hopelessly looking at uh, a... a Satellite readout of his former wife crying basically onto his keyboard, trying to console himself. That is the whole impetus of the movie. Any more sadness is not going to affect them because they're already that sad. And let's be very clear: Will Smith's career is inherently sad.
4: All right, I I will give you that one. That uh, Will Smith's career is inherently
2: sad. <laughs> I think that has won this argument.
4: That's a valid argument. However, um, I think you can get lower. I think that's a real thing, and uh, I think that could really affect their psyche and first of all like i said i've got a harpoon gun and a giant squid with many arms and tentacles i'm gonna scoop you up and i'm gonna break your little spine that's that's all there is to it i've got size i've got power i they're still really intelligent and uh i've already proven that i can steal weapons and use them against their enemies
3: okay Man, this is a good one. I, I guess just from the start, I would have liked to maybe hear from Kelsey that the suic- or the sadness ray could make them commit suicide or something. That would have been a really powerful argument to throw I out I didn't want
4: to go that dark. But I thought about it. But
3: she didn't do it, so, so it doesn't, doesn't count. count. Ben, I like how you adapted to the thousand years thing, talking about the extraterrestrial members of Men in Black. It would have been kind of cool if you maybe said that they were unstuck in time or had some kind of time displacement element, too. But, you know, I'll accept that as well. I can't go with the giant squid on this one. I got to go with the men in black. You know, their, their ability to hand ex- handle extraterrestrial threats and, you know, things that are much more difficult than a squid with two weapons in, in its hands, uh, you know, they're, they're far more capable. Plus, I mean, just the element of time travel itself makes this kind of an unfair fight from the beginning. There's all kinds of things that they could do. Go back and, like, forget, uh, make sure that squids never even, like, evolve the way that they come out or, you know, do any kind of number of things with the time machine. So but that's, maybe that's that would end
4: up with them dying.
3: It's true, but you know what? Uh, I think they're pretty we'll, experienced with that.
1: We'll let Ashton Kutcher worry about the butterfly. Yeah, <laughs> let him. Tyler, <laughs> what do you think? Uh, I would like first to point out that I came over to Malachi's computer, and he was looking up things about the devil on the internet. to use against me. Unfair advantage. You didn't know that? No, the I knew The way it. that he was talking Oh was yeah, like we he all knew that. No, I knew it, but I just I didn't want to believe it, and then I saw it.
4: Use your resources, man. So, like not up or shut I up.
1: I have to say, I was going Kelsey pretty strong. Because when she brought up the sadness, Ray, like, it's hard to do things when you're sad. I was like, wow, she's right. It is very hard to do things when you're sad. But Ben came back and totally kind of took that out when he says the men in black are kind of sad. I would just like to say I do not think Will Smith's career is sad. I think Will Smith's (laughs) career is going pretty strong. Listen, to each
2: their own, okay? So I'm going to have to give that one to Ben as well. Fantastic! Men in Black always win. Okay, so we've got two winners here. Now. So now yep. Mom and Dad have to argue. So mom and Dad
3: are about is to do this. On this is the. Uh, I, I put my computer away. Continuation. I'm not, not going to, you know, take the lower... Re- it wasn't much of a cheating. I mean, I just you wanted, knew he was. you have, have resources?
2: I'm just saying. Where's the where's the discard deck for the blacks? Over here.
3: Yeah, it's over in the corner there. Okay. Sorry. So we got three. This is the final round.
2: Yes, it is.
4: The final countdown. (laughs) I'm just, like, full of songs
3: today. I I really want to pick. There's a card that's the player to your left, and I really want to use, Tyler. Dude, you know you want to. Dude, these are all really good.
2: (laughs) Put me in, Malcolm.
1: I'm like your Pokemon. Throw me in. I'm ready for this. Put me in, Coach.
3: I'm going to put down a a backup one. I'm not going to use it, but I just want to say it out loud because it's pretty great.
2: Yeah, I'm going to have a backup one, too.
4: I don't think that's how this game works, guys. Okay,
3: well they're just like so fun. I
4: know that is really fun.
2: Okay, are you ready? Oh man, I don't know which one I want to do for the. There's
3: some one. really good okay, ones. Okay, I'm here, gonna actually. do my
2: backup one, and it's just gonna be the funny one. Yeah, definitely. Okay, so the real one that I'm gonna play is gonna be this, and then uh, I'm gonna do. This and then this is my backup one. Okay, so okay. you want to reveal first?
3: Yeah, I'll go first. So I have uh, 101 Dalmatians <laughs> with super strength.
2: Okay, okay, that's not bad. Would you like to reveal your
1: uh, second? No, attribute no, 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 no. We'll say, we'll no. say that. Yes. second attribute. Card. Oh, Ooh, such, this yeah. is this yeah, is we'll the thing it, right here. It, we end up and we can't decide. The backups are the
3: tiebreaker. Okay, the backups will be the tiebreaker, and they can control <laughs> machines. Oh my god,
2: <laughs> this is good. This is good. I have a uh, demon possessed car. All right, a la Christine, yeah. by Stephen King. That's pretty cool. That can control plants. Interesting.
3: What? Oh, dude, you're done. And, and, and is Amish. Oh no, <laughs> that thing's having an existential crisis. It really doesn't know what. Dude, it is. that is a great. Okay, so here's my movie pitch: and, an Amish man is placed, his soul is placed into a car, and he, he doesn't do anything. And he, yeah, he just sits in a lot all day, or he turns evil. Because he's, like, you know, hates himself. That would be kind of cool.
2: Okay, so who wants to go first here? Directed by Kevin uh, Smith.
3: Yeah, directed by Kevin Written Smith. Written by Max Landis. Written by Max <laughs> <laughs> Produced by Zack Snyder. Yeah. All right, I'm going to go first. 101 Dalmatians with super strength already is unstoppable. You have an army of super strong dogs. Dalmatians are incredibly fast. They work with fire departments. They're smart and coordinated, and they can take down threats as a team. They also can control machines, and your car is a machine. So, frankly... These technocrat Dalmatians already, I mean, depending on where we're going to set this, machines are pretty much everywhere in our modern lives. So they essentially can turn the battlefield against you as a weapon. Pretty much anywhere they're at, they have that advantage. And the fact that they're just fast dogs, I mean, they maybe can't outrun a car, but they can certainly destroy it, especially if there are so many of them.
2: Okay, so my argument is this: is that since I am a vehicle, you might be able to control me, but I am a demon-possessed vehicle, which is impenetrable to any of your mind control, magic, and whatsoever. Because let's just face it: the devil is far more, far more powerful, as you uh, as you detailed earlier, mm-hmm. than a bunch of uh, raggedy rabid 101 Dalmatians. Also,
3: they're well-fed dogs. Yeah,
2: whatever. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they're, they're, greyhounds they're bred too. specifically oh. for war. That that being said, is that yeah, you can control vehicles, and you control you can control machines. Right, but that doesn't necessarily mean buildings. That doesn't mean necessarily scenery. It's got to be some type of machine. I can control plants, which is basically everywhere and Mm -hmm. underneath us. Say we've got a complete urban cityscape. No matter what, there are still plant growth underneath it. I'm gonna be like poison ivy and pulling plant vines up all over the place and crushing every single one of your demon-controlled vehicles. Maybe not even demon-controlled. That's me. Excuse me. I'm the demon. Get it straight there, bud. Sorry. And destroying all of it. And now by being Amish, this is an interesting play here, right? Because I am am conflicted. I am conflicted because I was a pious man who somehow screwed up. Again, I'd like to repeat, I am a pious man, right? I lived my life really well. But eventually somewhere down the line, I must have done something sinful. Maybe, you know, I, I rode in a vehicle, you know, when I wasn't supposed to. And uh, God smited me and said, hey, devil, guess what? You got a new soul. And, you know, the devil, he likes tricks. It's April Fool's, right? It's April Fool's day today. He's like, well, I got it. You want to ride in a car? You want to ride in a car like a, like a regular guy? You are in a car for the rest of your life. Now you have a vehicle, right? So now I have this, this you know, this journey that I've been on that's really given me a lot of pause and given me a lot of wisdom, you know, mm-hmm. about what to do and what not to do. So I really think that I could best do at any battle because my st- strategy of being an Amish man would really help me out.
3: Let's look at the history of the 101 Dalmatians. They've, I'm, glad,
2: I'm they, glad that you wanted to look at that, not the history of the Amish. They,
3: they've been through a lot already. You know, they they've had their adversity. They've struggled against evil. You know, Corella Deville. She's a cruel person. They were able to overcome that together, and it's made them stronger. All right. So overcoming adversity, everybody's been on their journey. Don't try to lecture the 101 Dalmatians, Ben. We have no time for your for your petty arguments. Look, we didn't say – the card doesn't say how the Dalmatians can control machines, where the origin of their powers come from. Since you're a demon-possessed car, I'm thinking the only thing that can overcome demon possession is the power of the Almighty. And I'm going to propose that these 101 Dalmatians were blessed by God himself. (laughs) And therefore, their machine control overrides your demon possession. You know, we can argue that point. Well, I'll leave that up to the judges. But the plants versus machines is going to be a problem. I think before this, we would stop at the Home Depot and basically have an army of lawnmowers fighting your army of plants and all other manner of excavation uh, type machines. So I think that kind of negates itself. Again, man, 101 Dalmatians with super strength, that's too much of a threat to overcome. All I have to do is take down one car, the source of your power, the source of where all these plants are coming from. And ultimately, I don't think that that would be that difficult.
2: I'd like to say that your your lawnmower attack would be futile because, as I mentioned in other podcasts before, organic matter can neither be created nor destroyed, and unlike human beings, plant life does not have any true sentience, and who says that it really truly dies? When you cut your lawn clippings, you can ferment that down and create all new sorts of matter, and since that matter still exists, those plants are still alive, and all you're doing is just spreading more of me around all over your dogs. If you get all these clippings all over your dogs and get close enough to one of my plants, it's well, absolutely... Actually- be still, green, still it? You well, of course they'll be green. But also, <laughs> no, I can I can crush your dogs from the outside. I can crush the hall of your dogs with my grass clippings. Now, might I say about this uh, this this wacky scheme you have about uh, you know, this, these exorcist dogs? You don't right?
3: get a second rebuttal.
2: Just be, no, I yeah, have to, I have to I have to refute pr- 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 this point. This is no, bullcrap because now get I to. can refute your okay, points fine. and we can now, go on I'll, and on. Will, so sp-
3: leave it to the judges. Because I will say. Just because you can control plants doesn't mean you can make them do things that plants already can't do. So it's not like you can grow a bunch of vines that come through concrete. You can't make grass constrict things. You can only control the plants. That's
2: not true. There are no restrictions put on this card of what I can and cannot do. It the says same control way that plants. Da- How do I know that your God, God ordained your 101 Dalmatians?
3: <laughs> Look, man, we're going to leave it up to the judges. All right, all right. All right. Kelsey, what do you say? I'm going to get out of the way so Tyler can grab him, my...
2: Mike. I...
4: I'm going to have to give this one a Malachi. I'm sorry Ben, but That's I don't I don't understand how you're going to crush 101 dalmatians with lawn clippings. Like that takes a lot of lawn clippings to crush 101 dogs. You
2: apparently got a lot of
4: lawn clippings. L- I'm sorry man. Also your car is very conflicted. Uh he's Amish, so I don't see him doing much. So maybe resting in a in a dirt lot and just like slowly growing plants because he can control them. That's all I can see here. Um,
1: Is it my turn? Yeah. Okay, as the great Lex Luthor once said, "If man won't kill God, the devil will do it." And Ben, you have the power of the devil behind you. That being said, we saw in that movie that the godlike figure overtook the devil, and. I've seen videos on YouTube of one dog ripping the bumper off of a car. One normal dog ripping the bumper off a car. Let's not forget that this is 101 super strong Dalmatians against Christine. It ain't 90. It
3: ain't 95. It ain't 100. It's 101
2: Dalmatians, baby. Therefore, I must
1: say, Malachi. Gets the point and the win.
2: Okay. Yes. That being said, okay, we, we agreed that if there was a tie that, that we could use these cards. Now, I would like to argue that since I lost, I get a chance to use my backup cards to beat Malachi.
3: What's, all right, we'll make this a tag team fight then. What do you got?
2: I have my boss, oh, who is shit. you. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> yeah, yep, this is on. This is why I saved this one for later. That's good. Or is it Dave? No, it's, it's Malachi. It's me. Yeah, it is Armed with an impenetrable shield, Ooh. so you have to fight yourself. All right. Well, second armed attribute. With an Im- Wait, Impenetrable shield. Together?
3: No, we're. No. This- and it- you this can this control second-
2: hair. That's
3: weird. Okay. <laughs> well, look, I. There's only one person who can kill Malachi, and, and that's Malachi. That's, <laughs> that's the that's the player <laughs> the tr- to my left, who is Tyler, wearing an impenetrable tuxedo.
2: So oh. he. Well, he is kind of wearing a tuxedo. His his
3: attribute. He's armed with a bow and unlimited arrows. Tyler is deadly.
2: Tyler, <laughs> I like to I like to ask how her suit you are. How what? Her suit. How that hairy? That means how hairy you. How are. hairy? Look at me, bro. <laughs> <laughs> He's a hairy. Dude. I got a wool rug underneath this shirt, baby. Oh yeah. <laughs> so you think that you, you might have some chest hair? Check that out. He's got he's got a little Check. chest hair. They don't he's call got, me Papa Goose for he's got, nothing. He's got Oh god. Papa goose or papa goose. Papa goose. I'm gonna call you Papa oh. Goose from now on. Yeah, me too. Papa <laughs> so goose. So he's he, we admit that he's probably hairy, you know. I don't know what's uh what his manscaping situation is, but let's we just don't have to talk about let's that. just assume that he's pretty hairy. So you've got Malachi, <laughs> who I'm sorry, bro, you're taller, but Malachi's jacked. Oh no,
1: he is. Okay. He's a
0: fine specimen.
2: <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I love Malachi, but I don't really want to ever piss off Malachi too hard because I've watched him, like, just body slam one of our friends into a piece of concrete that then made that friend just a little just nuts from the, the slamming.
3: Suplex, man. I suplex Adrian Hedden. <laughs> I was also an amateur wrestler at and, one point. And,
2: and Kyle, yeah, so there you go. At Kyle Kaminsky's house, no less, outside of <laughs> the pool. So I've seen this guy do some major damage. And if he's got an impenetrable shield, I know that you have a, an impenetrable tuxedo. But that's just clothes, man. Like, he can still grab you and manhandle you. He can, your head isn't a tux- protected by this tuxedo. He can rip your head off in a heartbeat. I've seen him do less to people, <laughs> right? And at the same time, he can control hair. So if you ever do, like, get too wild and out of control... Listen man, I'm talking here, okay? Stop whispering in his ear. That's against the Can we actually right.
4: have a battle royale the, between the and There's Malachi only one way Tyler. to settle the this. Point, I have to fight Tyler. <laughs> yeah.
2: The point is is that he can take all of your hair and choke you with it. He can make you grow out of you even worse like Wookiee style and then choke you <laughs> man angle. Yeah, exactly with your he you're done dude Malachi's got this alright
3: here's here's my rebuttal and we're gonna <laughs> leave this up to the fans you're really
2: we're, gonna refute yourself
3: we're gonna leave this up How to the fans uh, participate in our twitter poll and we'll talk about the results in the next episode but who do you think would win me with an impenetrable shield and the power of herkinesis I don't even know what you would call that or Tyler with an impenetrable tuxedo and unlimited arrows and a bow now look here's what I think Malachi Barrett is a punk bitch <laughs>
2: You you said it, not me, man. glad you
3: could say that. He couldn't fight his way out of a wet paper bag. I've seen that kid stub his toe and cry like a wuss for three days.
2: When you were like, what, three? Yes, when I was three years old.
3: Tyler Guza, man, the the latent power deep within him, he's like Gohan on Dragon Ball Z. Like, he's nice and like a cuddly guy, but get him mad and he'll come at you with the ferocity of a Wookiee. He would rip my arms off in a second. Also... You know, this would be a tough fight, and I think really temperament's important, and it would be hard for me to fight Tyler Guza because of my undying love for him. (laughs) And at the end of the day, you know, Tyler's a savage sociopath, and he would have no problem murdering me within an instant. With an impenetrable tuxedo and bows and arrows, I wouldn't stand a chance.
2: My short rebuttal is this, and I'll keep it very, very short. Wouldn't that by necessity, you being a man of true justice, you a man who believes in balance— more than anything you need to take him out for the damage that he could cause to your loved ones, your friends. Think of Tess. You know what I mean? Think of Tess being held by a, a giant Tyler on top of a building. <laughs> like a King Kong like type King type situation. Kong. What are you going to do? All right? Are you just going to say, that? "I can't she's I can't one, fight Tyler." Or are you going to be like, "Bro, I got to I got to protect my lady." Look,
3: friend. if there's a 1% chance that he can be a threat, I need to take it as an absolute certainty.
2: <laughs> <laughs> See? Told you. But
3: that brings us to the end of the episode. Uh, we will talk about maybe who would do this, who would win on the next episode, and uh, feel free to participate. Tweet us. Live stream a fight. Yeah, and we'll, and we'll live stream <laughs> an actual get a fight. wrestling
2: match going on. All right. Well, thank you very much, guys, for listening in. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at Raven Geeks. We have a, uh, a Facebook. Like us on there. Uh, download us on iTunes, check us out and stream us at SoundCloud on the CM Life SoundCloud page and on cm-life.com and always, guys, talk to us, let us know what's going on. Same bat time, same bat network. We'll see you later.
4: Hit the space bar now. On purpose this time.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you should leave that in. <laughs> my girlfriend is going to be very bad.
4: Also, these are my two favorite cards now. It used to be a
2: very. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
4: You have
0: those together. You did not
4: hit the, isn't that it's, it's still, still going. I hit it. Stop hitting it. You're doing it all wrong. Can we get like a